Hello, welcome to Hattrick. I am Jordan Dollar Coltman, joined by Braden Dollar Coltman and Elliot Tanti. It is our final full episode of the 2022 calendar year. Christmas time is upon us. The holidays are upon us. Next week, we will have a very special year, um, sort of a year in review. No, it's not even a year in review. It's it's a best of the year show, but uh, we won't really be recording together on Christmas Day, but it'll come up Boxing Day. So this is our last time together, boys, for 2022. It's been a very busy year. We had the World Cup. We had the Olympics. We had a lot of hockey we talked about, all kinds of good stuff. We're going to get to that in topic two. Before we do that, though, we've got to talk soccer. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get to it. Here's topic one. Okay. The World Cup is over, and it went out with a bang. Uh, I don't know if you're a soccer fan out there listening to this. I don't know if you've been watching the world cup at all but you didn't need to, you didn't need to watch anything up to this you watch just this game and i guarantee you uh you're going to appreciate the spectacle the drama and the excitement uh that so many people have been captivated by for the last couple of weeks the world cup finale the big final the final match for leon messi the chance for france to be back-to-back champions for the first time as a nation and the, only the second time in World Cup history. And it did not disappoint. Argentina came out of the gates on fire, fired up, very passionate. You could tell right from the anthem that Argentina was there for the moment. France kind of tentative, didn't get a shot in for almost an hour. And Argentina obviously getting up early, Leon Messi in the 23rd minute scores from the penalty spot. Huge goal for him. We all knew, we all know the story, you know, arguably the greatest of all time, certainly the greatest of his generation. And this is the one thing he did not have on the resume. And so this meant a lot. He gets the penalty to go and then they go up two nil only 10 minutes later. Uh, Di Maria scores a beautiful goal off of some great Argentinian uh, passing to get into the box and a great cross leads to a two nil lead going to half. And at this point, it looks like France is just not going to show up, but don't ever count out. Mr. Kelly Mbappe. Mbappe is for me like the McDavid of this sport. And the cool thing about watching this game was it was like watching McDavid play with Gretzky. If it had happened, you've got one generation's absolutely almost the most dominant player. And then you have this next generation. This kid's 23 years old. He's already won a world cup. He puts in another, a beautiful goal from the penalty spot. We've already had two penalties in this game, which feels like most of this World Cup. So fitting the final would be very much the same at the 80th minute. And then a minute later, only a minute later, another great play into the box and a volley that is so just in and of itself. The World Cup has not seen a goal like this in the final in a long time. Just beautiful touch. And all of a sudden it's tied. We have a new game. We go to extra time. Argentina goes up again in, in extra time with a great, Another great play by Messi, uh, almost offside. VRR questioned whether or not that thumb was over the line of, uh, of the what? defender. <laughs> Very close. It looks at this point like Argentina's got it. And then again, uh, Kelly Mbappe gets a penalty very late in extra time. Makes no mistake, buries it. We're tied 3-3. That is how it ends. We go to penalties. And then, boys, again, if this final was meant to be a microcosm of the entire tournament, of course it ended in penalties. How many of those quarterfinal games went to penalties? How many of the, like, unbelievable. Uh, Argentina does not miss. And their goaltender is phenomenal. He makes two, or he makes one save, and he guesses right on, on the one miss by France <laughs> when they missed the net. But he still guessed right. And boy, is he a character. We'll talk about him in a second. 
Messi has his World Cup. Elliot, I know for you, this has been a very busy couple weeks. A lot of football on the TV at home. It's over now. Did this, you know, what was this a justified and 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 sufficiently uh, satisfying final for what has been a very busy couple weeks in your household? Uh, it's a great question. I would say yes. Yes, but it wasn't up until about the 80th minute of this game. This was a bit of a snore fest. I, Alec dragged me out of bed to be at the bar at 7.30 this morning. And I was <laughs> beginning to get very angry that I even woken up for the game. And it was 2-0. And France didn't even seem like they had shown up for the game. Uh, but, of course, as you described, and as we all know now, the last you know 45 minutes of this game and then the penalties were outstanding. Some of the best and most exciting soccer football that um, I've ever watched. And, and it was really nice because, you know, I've been watching the version, whatever version of this game there is for the last 20 years. I'm really invested in the World Cup. I think uh, it's a great display of sport and uh, it truly is the entire world coming together around the one sport that the majority of them play. Uh, and this game tends to be a bit of a snore fest, unless you're deeply invested in it and you have a team um, I've always found it, uh, found myself a bit emotionally detached from the game, uh, when I've watched it and I was starting to get to that place again. Um, however, just the excitement, the back and forth, uh, the play of both teams, uh, one, just the, <laughs> the unwillingness to quit from the French side, particularly in the second half. And, uh, obviously Argentina coming together around, uh, Messi and the story that was there was just so gratifying and interesting to watch. I, I, I guess if I had a horse in the race, it was Argentina. So I was happy. Um, but ultimately, like as a fan and who's been following this, this tournament uh, the last couple of weeks, as you said, yes, I think this is the cherry on top of what's been a very exciting, interesting and very different World Cup. Braden, I know you watched this one. I know you haven't had a chance to watch a lot of soccer this, this month. You've been busy, but I mean, come on. Well, I've been this keeping up. I've been keeping up. I'm a little with Elliot just in the 90-minute the game itself is often a bit of a snore fest. 90-second package of highlights with any soccer game is usually the most exciting highlight package you'll ever see. Soccer highlights are amazing, and this one was uh, exceptional. I, this, I mean, the last five minutes, the extras and then the, the, the penalty kicks, like that, it might go down as one of the greatest – you know, final matches of all time. The, the fact that Messi was able to pull this thing off. And uh, I mean, it's just such a storybook ending to his world cup career. Um, like you said, the goat, it, it, it was, and we had, we had talent on talent on talent in this game. So just to see um, all of that kind of come together and, and for, um, you know, for Argentina to, to finally pull this thing off, it's, it's really exciting. I, I think it capped off a, a really great world cup. So, Let's talk for a second about two players there. You know, this is a team game, but in the end of the day, we get drawn into the narrative around certain players. And there's two for whom this was sort of the head head match. Their teammates at Paris Saint-Germain for now. Uh, let's talk first about um, Kelly Mbappe, who, who loses. But again, as I've said, he's already won a World Cup. The kid is 23 years old. D d if this isn't a sign of how sort of exciting the future of soccer is and and not just this guy but the guys who are playing uh, at at the same sort of level i mean he is as i i, I kind of equated him to the mcdavid of he seems like he's just 
built differently. Like he's, he, he, he plays this game. He either sees it in a new way or he sees it in a different way. It's flashes in the pan where he just all of a sudden has complete control. And it seems like no one around him can touch. And there was, there was that, that, that little uh, sort of dart into the box there in extra time where I was convinced he was going to bury another one. And it was going to be over right near the end of extra time, because every single time he had an opening, he, he took great advantage of it. Obviously two of his goals are from the penalty mark, but he also, you know, he, he put them in the exact same place. In fact, if you look at all three of his, including the, the goal in the, in, the, in the penalty shootout at the end here, all three of his shots are almost the exact same place, and yet he buries all three of them. One of them, uh, the, the goaltender for Argentina even got his hands on, and he still buried it with that much power. This kid is really, really special. Um, I, is that a fair comparison, Elliot? Is it like, you know, people like to say that McDavid is, the, is not necessarily the greatest yet, or uh, you can't go that far with the hyperbole, but he might be the most advanced hockey player we've ever seen in terms of the, the technology that has allowed him to be this good, the speed at which he processes the game, the speed at which he plays the game. Like I've watched highlights of Messi when he was young, pretty unbelievable things he could do with his foot. Maradona, um, Pele, like the, there's a list of amazing players. Ibrahimovic with his size could just dominate another an opponent. But Kelly Mbappe has like a piece of all of those guys built into what he does. And he just, it just seems to me like when he clicks for him, I mean, he's unreal. He, he wins the tournament's golden boot with eight goals. He had three in this game alone. Is he the best right now in the world? Oh, I think without a doubt. I mean, I think the only thing that you didn't comment on, which I think is his greatest attribute is his capacity to finish. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's from the spot or it's, you know, um, negotiating a volley into the box. We saw both of that uh, today. Uh, those are, that's incredibly difficult to do under that pressure in those circumstances. He said 23 years old. Um, that That's what separates him in my mind. You see, it, it, there is something about, you know, living up to the stature of the game or the size of the moment. And uh, he's done nothing but do that time in and time again. It's why he's the, considered the best player on the, in the world right now. And he his career is certainly shaping up to, to model those of the greats. Um, and, and as you said, he's already got the World Cup, which is, tends to be the, the, the most difficult uh, to win. Um, and today, I, I really felt, you know, France has been dealing with injuries uh, throughout the tournament, particularly at the end, there was a virus reportedly that ran through the team. Uh, he carried that team, particularly in the second half, dragged them uh, into extra time, dragged them into the penalty kicks, and certainly set the tone. I mean, I don't know what else there was for him to do in this game to to cause uh, France to win, except for that he went up against a bit of serendipity uh, in the messy story. Uh, he certainly deserved to win this for the French side. And I, you know, I, I think that's the type of thing that only the greats of the, the greatest of the greats uh, can do. We've yet to see that in McDavid. In fact, I would say that maybe he's even better than McDavid. Uh, if you go sport to sport and, and, and capacity to capacity and that he has those championships and he has that success. So that would be my only thing, but yes, absolutely. So I'm going to turn to you, Braden with, with Messi. As I said, there's two, two players for whom this game means a lot but it but it was a really big showcase of, of them we have the new guard in mbappe and now we've got we've got the ending of a career nearing the end of a career it sounds like he may end up somewhere in the mls or something just making a lot of money but really we're watching the twilight of arguably the greatest career of all time uh, i'll give you just the cole's notes of Messi's accolades. He's got 35 trophies uh, with his club. Obviously, that was Barcelona. That is a record. That includes 10 La Liga titles, 7 Copa del Rey 
titles, four UEFA Champions League titles. Uh, he is also claimed the 2021 Copa America and now the 2022 World Cup. So, I mean, the trophy case is going to need a new wing. Uh, the messy residence. Obviously, this was the holy grail for him. This was the one he needed to sort of put him level footing with Maradona in terms of legendary status amongst the Argentinians. And I mean, just if you couldn't have written a storybook ending better than this, I like, I don't know how you would have. Do you know what I mean? It, literally a guy who's been to a World Cup final and lost. So he's been as close to the peak as you can and been turned away. He gets here in what he had already described earlier in the tournament as his last World Cup. So he knew the table was set. Uh, and he, not only does he show up, like we've seen a lot of guys late in their career trying to get a Stanley Cup or trying to win that last Super Bowl or something like that, where they're there because they're a veteran. As a piece, yeah. No, no, no. He is still leading this team yeah. emotionally and on the field. He's got two goals in the game. Unreal. Unreal. When you watch him play, it's so amazing just to see how small he is. He's like five foot seven. And he's and he's the one of the he's the fastest guy on the pitch. It's it's insane. And I heard somebody talking about you know facing up against him. The the fact that he is so small, his stride is so quick. It's so quick that defenders don't really know which way he's going to go. He has so much versatility when it comes to uh, size and speed. It's, it's so awesome to watch. And the fact that he is still at top tier talent, 35 years old, uh, it's, it's phenomenal. And like you said, the, just the fact that he uh, destroyed book ending of the world cup career and just proud of him, really excited for him. I think it's fantastic for Argentina. Everybody who's a messy fan. It's, it's great. It's great for sport. You know, the one thing I would add on this, too, is I watched the Argentina-Germany game eight years ago. Obviously, Germany won that. And it really was the messy show. Didn't really have the team around him. In fact, it felt a little bit like watching the game today, but opposite, where it was uh, Mbappe kind of carrying the French side. He really carried that Argentinian side eight years ago. Um, I would say that, you know, he scored two goals, so it wasn't like he was invisible this game. But it was the entire side uh, working together in a way that I don't know that we've seen Argentina uh, produce that, 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 that type of quality uh, in, in this match. And I think it really was the difference maker. And it, it's finally what has pushed them over the top was that he was a central piece, but a piece of what was, I think, a, a team that was greater than the sum of its parts. Well, uh, I think we should leave it there. It's been a very busy, very crazy couple of weeks. Obviously, as Elliot said, it's kind of a World Cup with a lot of different storylines. We talked a lot about them last week, obviously, and not necessarily a World Cup that we will remember fondly for a lot of reasons. However, um, they certainly, the players on the field certainly put a bow on what, what has been a very tumultuous uh, tournament, a phenomenal final. Congratulations to Messi and the Argentinian side for a World Cup well won. That is topic one. Okay, it is time for our pick of the week presented by BetStamp. BetStamp is your one-stop shop for line shopping, bet tracking, and sports betting odds. You would never go with the first price if you were shopping for flights. So why would you settle for the first odds when you are betting? BetStamp changes that. Their streamlined and easy-to-use app allows you to find a wide spectrum of odds for any bet. Then it makes it easy to track your bets all in one place. You can set alerts in case the line changes and learn what bets your friends and even some celebrity bettors are making. 
Braden, you made our pick last week. Was, uh, you picked Morocco in the semifinal. Didn't come out that way. But look, I mean, it was the long shot of long shots. And Morocco had certainly uh, carried a lot of long shot bets throughout this tournament. So to be fair, you know, a bold take. We're going to go back to Elliot, though, who is like our official pick of the week uh, mastermind. Tanti, hashtag Tanti polling. So <laughs> our pick this week, Elliot, we're going to go with football. It's obviously a busy week in football leading up to Christmas. Always is. First, tell us which matchup you are uh, keying in on here to make your pick of the week. Yeah, I just want to remind our listeners I'm two and one. But if you'd bet $100 on all the bits that I'd, picks that I'd made thus far uh, using the um, our odds, you'd be up $550. So that's just some simple napkin math that we're doing here. Uh, this week, I am going to go with the game between the San Francisco 49ers and the Washington Commanders. Jordan, what are the odds that the Commanders are going to uh, win this game this okay, week? Okay, look. So you you are you you've you've already found success once with the Commanders against the Eagles earlier in the season. That was a big upset at the time, and the Commanders certainly. Uh, made you look like a very, very smart and sound better. Uh, if you head over to Betstamp right now, you're going to see that the Saturday, December 24th matchup, it's a 1.05 p.m. kickoff, Washington Commanders, San Francisco 49ers. The best odds for Washington right now is at B-Win at plus 260, which is a much better line than if you were to go with Bet Victor, where you'd only be getting a plus 213. So if you feel... Like you would like to join us this week, follow Elliot down the rabbit hole, put some money on the commanders, head over to Betstamp. And when you do, please set up your account using the code ordinary so that they know we sent you. To always get the best value when you are betting, choose Betstamp. As promised, uh, topic two here, we're going to do, do a quick sort of year in review. Uh, we obviously did this last year. Um, and so we've come to another year, which is great. We're in, I think, our third season here doing the show all together, which is fantastic. Uh, 2022, lots happened. As I mentioned off the top, we had, a, we had an Olympics, a Winter Olympics, uh, that did not feature NHL players again. Uh, but we did have a Winter Olympics. Um, we had, we just finished the World Cup. We had a lot of oiler hockey. Let's start back at the beginning, though. Let's talk... Um, we're going to talk about some of the fun stuff that happened and some of the more serious stuff, because there was also a lot of serious stuff that happened around sports. But let's just start at the beginning of the year. Uh, and it did kick off, as I say, with the Olympics. So, Elliot, going back and looking at, at, at Beijing 2022, I mean, two massive sporting events uh, that happened in this calendar year, both of them, though, like very complicated geopolitically. And I think the question is, do you think that any lessons have been taken from these two major events as far as the corporations that run them and in terms of the backlash and pushback um, and the narratives that surrounded them this year? Or do you feel like the, the effective sports washing that those nations have attempted by hosting these events was more successful? Um, it's a great question. It's difficult to compare. Like, I, I think the dust is settled on Beijing. I think most people are pretty ashamed that, that, that what's occurred has occurred. And I think particularly or that it occurred there, particularly, I, I mean, this is, this is the, this is the year in some ways of like geopolitical events impacting sports. You mentioned Beijing and Qatar, but let's not talk about all the controversies that emerged uh, with Ukraine and Russia as well too. And, and I think, uh, you know, it's certainly gotten people talking. 
However, I still feel as though those sporting events have sort of outweighed the much larger and systemic issues that uh, those countries are facing. And look, there's no country that's perfect. There was not enough conversation around the impact of the Canadian government on Indigenous lives in Vancouver in 2010, for example, right? We still don't talk about that. And Canada's got its own uh, skeletons in the closet. Let's, let's, let's just clear that up before I get going on. Uh, on this topic. But, uh, you know, it feels to me as though I think right now, these leading organizations, whether it be uh, the IOC or FIFA, are probably thinking uh, long term about much more stable places to host their their games. But at the same time, are challenged by the fact that many Western nations can't afford it. And it's very difficult to justify the cost that comes into that as well, too. Um, we know that these events are costly to run. And so I think ultimately the business of sports is going to outweigh any sort of social impacts that these things have. I mean, the games today, for example, I, I was listening to a business of sports podcast over the weekend, and it's estimated that there will be in aggregate a billion views of this World Cup final today between people watching it live and, and reruns and highlights uh, and, and for years to come. So if your company had bought advertisement on the pitch today, that is incredibly valuable real estate to have. And ultimately that money and that value is gonna outweigh all social conversations, I think for, for years to come. These are major multinational corporations and ultimately it's the bottom dollar that really matters. And I'm glad that we're having the conversations. I mean, it's it's one of the reasons why this podcast exists, I think. And there's a, num a number of new voices in the round talking about these things, but I, I still don't think we're, we're quite there yet. So, uh, let's leave both of those for just a moment. We've spent a fair bit already on the World Cup, but let's talk for a second about one of the other major stories we had to cover this year um, because it really rocked this nation specifically. And obviously I'm talking about um, the, the Hockey Canada scandal and the sort of coming to light of a pattern of behavior uh, within the higher levels of both junior hockey and the world junior program for Hockey Canada, as well as just the organization itself, a slush fund, then a second slush fund, and then became pretty clear that the uh, corruption and the level of sort of insidious protectionism within the organization was pretty much rotten right to the core. The organization obviously called to the carpet parliamentary hearings, pretty much as serious a scandal as I think this country has faced in a very long time. Uh, you know, something that reverberates all the way down through the minor hockey levels to small towns and communities all the way across this country. Um, every, every, you know, nook and cranny of this country has a minor hockey program somewhere in it. it. This is as much ingrained in our culture as anything. And when this kind of event occurs, when this kind of a reckoning occurs, obviously it touches everyone and it, and, and it really, I think became a flashpoint in our collective Canadian culture for you, Braden. Obviously we've talked a lot on this show about it. I'll ask you the same kind of question I asked Elliot at the end of the year, reflecting on what we have learned so far. And obviously this story is still to be concluded as more and more evidence and more and more of these hearings, all this kind of stuff happens. So by no means is the story over, 
But after a year or so of, of these allegations and now the, the, the discovery of all of this information, do you feel like we are beginning to see the outcome of it in a positive way? Like, are we going to see realistic change uh, from this? Are, as I said to Elliot, if in the case of FIFA and the Olympic Committee, have they begun to learn the lessons that the decisions to put these games in those countries and all the cost that it had to them? Are they learning anything from it? Or do we expect that in a couple of years, people will just go back to the way things were status quo? In Hockey Canada's perspective, we have a new board. It was just appointed this week. Yeah. But yeah. moreover, rape so culture steps. in hockey, are we beginning to at least come to terms with how serious an issue this is across the board? And do you think we will see change? Well, optimistically, I want to say yes, steps are steps are being taken to affect change. However, I think this transcends beyond just what we saw happen with Hockey Canada. This, I mean, this is hockey culture to begin with and sport. I mean, it kind of trickles into other sport culture as well. And, and I, I, I want to say that the, that the conversation being had around it is the initial step to making that kind of change happen. Leadership, like you said, with the board being the fact that the board didn't think that they needed to change for anything to happen with hockey Canada was absolutely mind blowing. So the fact that that step has now happened, um, but you know, touching on the, the FIFA and, and the uh, IOC, you know, topic two, the, the fact that there, you know, we can say there's all of these issues with Qatar and, and the way that, you know, everything went down in Beijing. It's like, well, looking to the future, we're, we're going to see a World Cup in North America. And there are some very serious things that have to happen to be addressed there too, right in our own backyard, Canada, but also in the States and also in Mexico for, for um, you know, for, for change to, uh, to, to be, to, to happen, to, um, I, I, I optic, optic, optimistically want to say yeah steps are being taken but i i'm not sure i have full faith that we're going to see the leaps and bounds that it will take to actually see you know those kinds of things um addressed or not happen yeah i mean like elliot said too like what just the i think the game is going to overshadow those things well, and we'll wait and see again, as I, as I said before, that story specifically with Hockey Canada isn't over. And, I'll, you know, we will, as Elliot pointed out on this show, be here to continue to ha- have that conversation because that's why we're here. And I think it's important that people around the sports uh, that they love and support are also critical of the institutions that are far from perfect and flawed in many, many ways. Let's, let's for a second talk about some of the on field or on ice storylines that captivated us this year obviously a big one not just the world cup itself but getting to the world cup let's talk about that with for a second elliot canada was playing with borrowed money by the time they actually got to qatar but getting there was a journey and a roller coaster and an awesome ride this year for you what were the some of the highlights of watching canada's men's team qualify for their first world cup since the 80s well, I think that was that was just it, right? That whole qualification period, which kind of went into last year. We're cheating a bit if sure. we talk about this, to be honest. But I, I mean, I think the formation of this group, the team coming together, uh, you know, John Herdman and in and of himself, and the way that this team has sort of galvanized the country. I mean, it wasn't always bright. There were some pretty significant concerns raised this year around compensation for the team and. And, and uh, some more conversations need to be had around that for sure. But in terms of, um, 
you know, a team truly reflecting the culture and diversity of this nation, uh, something that is to be immensely proud of. Uh, the best player on Canada being an immigrant that, uh, that, that, that found himself here in Canada, here in Edmonton for that matter, uh, and grew up here and is now uh, leading his national side and, and seeing them play against the best in the world was, you know, outstanding for people that have followed um, international soccer for a long time and who, tr like for myself, tr never truly thought that outside of maybe if Canada was hosting and North America was selected as the host nation as it is for the next one. Um, Canada would never get to play at this caliber. And instead, instead we have hopes and dreams and, and I don't know that Canada is necessarily going to be a competitor, but you know, Morocco went pretty far this year and there's no reason why you couldn't, you know, hope and dream for that in four years, particularly with the young team and the young side that, that Canada has and, uh, the way they stood up to major nations like Mexico and, and the United States on the way to qualifying. So, yeah, I think it was a great story. I, I think it, it it really brought people um, coast to coast to coast together in a way that really only hockey or maybe the Olympics ever does. And, and I think uh, in a challenging time where we were divided nation on a number of different fronts, uh, it was one thing that we could point to this year and say, yeah, this is great. This is fun to watch. Uh, it's amazing that they're there and there's hope for the future. So that's a great segue into the final thing I wanted to talk about from this year. So bringing people together and the importance of community surrounding a team. All three of us are part of a community surrounding a team that for a very long time has been futile and frustrating, oh, and difficult to follow. Suck. But we got a little taste of the promised land on the road to the promised land, let's call it, this past spring. For me, highlight of the year, Oilers playoff run. They get all the way to the Western Conference final before apparently McCarr was onside. And the uh, unbelievable... Tough week to talk about offside, Jordan. Yeah, yeah, tough week, dude. <laughs> unbelievably exciting playoff run for the Edmonton Oilers. For me, it's the highlight of the year sporting-wise. Um, obviously, you know, would have been great to win it all, but yeah, as someone who has been, it's like, it's like, you know, a man left alone in the desert. You appreciate the small little cup of water when you get it. And for us, after a very long extended decade of darkness, almost two, uh, to so finally actually get to watch legitimate contending hockey from the Edmonton Oilers. Braden, I'll start with you. If it isn't the highlight of the year, I don't know what else would be. Yeah, it was definitely my most exciting highlight of the year. It's awesome. I love playoff hockey, and I love when my team's in the playoff hockey going to three rounds. Four rounds would be exceptional, and I'm looking forward to that upcoming. But, uh, gosh, I mean, it was, yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was awesome to see. You just want one more period, one more goal, one more possession. One more defensive stop. But again, a phenomenal playoff run and, and, and a great storyline up and down. Obviously, going all the way to game seven in the first round where everyone is just trying to get over that first, you know, the first to so the first base camp of Everest is, is the hardest first. The experience climb. is great. And the it's... Oilers having had very frustrating first rounds the last yeah. couple of years, they they 
get that monkey off their back to get to round two. And it's like a gift from the gods here. Here's Calgary. Here's the battle of Alberta in the playoffs. Could you ask for anything better? A team with so much animosity from the last couple of years, you know, leading back to Cassian and Kachuk mm-hmm. and all of mm-hmm. that drama game. One is an absolute shit show, right? I think it was, there were like 13, eight, 13 eight goals scored or something. <laughs> And the Oilers almost come all the way back and win it any after, like you say, being down like seven one or something. <clears throat> and then they they basically they sweep the rest of the series. They win four straight, including that unbelievable overtime uh, with with um, McDavid scoring the overtime winner uh, in the Saddledome. And then you 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 get as you say to the to this final with this absolute juggernaut and a team that is like two years ahead of where the Oilers were, a team that's almost tasted it previously and hasn't been able to get over that last hump. And they they kind of hit the wall. Here's the crazy stat: so many of you know, so many storylines. Mike Smith and and you know somehow making games. He's let four goals in. We still found enough offense to win. And and then you know uh, again, both dry sidle on one leg and all of that stuff, which is what you you know that that's the stuff that like the legend of of a, of a playoff run is made of. Here's a crazy stat that I had completely like I had completely missed. Do you know that Nathan McKinnon was tied? At the end of the playoff series, uh, the playoffs at the after winning the Stanley Cup, a whole additional series against Tampa Bay, he was tied for goals with Evander Kane, who went out a, a round earlier. That's how many goals in the playoffs Evander Kane had, which is phenomenal. And to have the Oilers competing at that level all the way through for me, highlight of the year, Elliot. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a great way to end it. I, I think it was it was McDavid planting the flag as the best in the world and ever. Uh, and, you know, we kept saying every year it felt like, well, he's found that 10th gear or he's found that sixth gear. He's found that seventh gear. I don't know what gear it was, but there was a new gear. And it seems like he's found another one again <laughs> this year. I mean, he's yeah, I don't think he's done 30 goals before Christmas, which is ridiculous. Um, so I think that was, that was outstanding. And like you said, Leon Dreisaitl was playing on one leg and Darnell Nurse was playing on the other. So I think that there is, there's more, there and it's left us with you know a taste of 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 what potentially is is to come and uh galvanized the city it brought the province together in a really interesting way too um and uh you know but there's nothing like playoff hockey right and uh um hope to see it again this year yep that's that's always the goal hope springs eternal it was a busy year. Lots going on. Look, we didn't even get to touch on half of it. I mean, you had golf wars. Gosh, we didn't even talk of... about the Padres. We didn't talk about the Padres. I know it's there's a, there was a lot of stuff for us to cover. Look, we've got, as I said, the best of the year episode next week. So maybe we'll touch on one of those topics in, in, in our three favorites uh, from the year. If not, look, uh, you can hit us up on social media. Tell us what your favorite storylines of the year were. Um, and until, uh, until we come back next year, I guess we can touch on them i don't know how we'll play that off after a year but look uh regardless it was a busy year lots going on it's over let's move on that's topic two <laughs> hey if you're a fan of hattrick sports then i promise you you're gonna love the backyard basketball podcast hattrick's very own Braden dollar coltman sits down every wednesday with his best bud christian steck and together they break down all the news rumors transactions from around the basketball world whether it's the nba or college hoops These two guys love talking basketball, and you are going to love listening every Wednesday on the Backyard Basketball Podcast. All right. Topic three. 
Um, we're going to do our last hats off of the year and it's going to be a special one. So rather than just focusing on the past week around the sporting world, we are going to widen our gaze to the entire year. So I'm asking you both to join me in taking our hats off to three amazing uh, individuals or organizations or people or, or, or teams or whatever you want to do, however you interpret the rules of this little game. Uh, but for the entire year of 2022, Elliot, for your 2022 hats off, who have you chosen? Yeah, this might be some recency bias, but I don't really care. I've been talking about this for 18 months now. I think my hat's off for this year has to go to John Herdman and what he's done with this Canadian national squad and this national team, the way that he's galvanized the nation. He's made them interested in, in soccer. He's taught them the game in media. He's been, um, you know, in a lot of ways, the flag bearer for the sport in the country. And he's been doing it for a long time, frankly, since coaching the women's side. Um, but, you know, it seemed like he reached a new pinnacle in terms of bringing, you know, Canadian soccer to the next level, to the highest echelon. Um, and it's been outstanding to see. It's been a great year for the Canadian squad. It's been a great year for Canadian soccer for the most part. Um, and I think you have to you have to say a lot of that is due to John Erdman. So oh, my hat's off goes to him. Well done. Uh, and Braden, who are you taking your hat off for the 2022 year? I'm going to tip my hat to somebody who uh, has been through uh, something absolutely uh, terrifying, I'm sure. Um, but my hat is being tipped off to Brittany Griner, who has since been released back to the States um, after being detained in Russia. Um, for about 10 months, I think she was, uh, she was over there. She has since been uh, returned to American soil. And we talked a lot over the um, course of uh, this year uh, about this situation and will she ever play again? Uh, what I'm really tipping my hat off is to her courage of stating publicly that she um, intends to play basketball again for the WNBA's uh, Phoenix Mercury this season. And in doing so, she looks forward to being able to say thank you to everyone who advocated for, wrote to her and posted for her to return safely. So uh, hats off to everyone involved in that situation to make sure that she returned back to, um, to her home safely. Um, but hats off to Brittany Griner. That's a very good one. I wanted to just add quickly to that. And I, I know we posted this on our social media, but I don't know if you saw this about five or six days after she had finally returned to the United States, uh, her agent had posted a tweet stating that Brittany Griner had pulled on a pair of black Chuck Taylor sneakers, a Phoenix Suns shirt, with the title four on it and picked up a basketball for the first time in almost 10 months. And her first act on the court was a dunk. So it was a beautiful moment to see, as you say, the conclusion to what was an absolutely harrowing uh, tale. Um, obviously not completely concluded. I'm sure there's a lot of um, recovery uh, for her and we wish her all the best, but a great choice there, Braden. I'm going to tip my hat to another uh, incredibly powerful and strong woman who we watched complete uh possibly the greatest tennis career of all time this year in Serena Williams, who played her final U S open, probably her final competitive uh, professional tennis match uh, in the final. She is the goat. Um, and in so many ways, pardon me, not in the final, she didn't make the final, but she was, she, she was in her final tournament is how I meant to say that. And it was one of those moments, not unlike when Gretzky retired, where like the entire sports world kind of stopped for a few days to just marvel at this woman and to pay homage and tribute to this woman. 
Uh, obviously, you know, there are very few people in the world who don't know the name Serena. When you get to that status to be a single named athlete where literally everyone around the world hears the name and identifies it with success, with championships, with dominance in their field. And that is what Serena Williams uh, was and is and always will be. She is probably the greatest female athlete of our lifetime uh, in terms of actual success. And I think that that's phenomenal and something that we should definitely uh, take a moment to tip our hats to in 2022. We watched the end of an absolutely phenomenal career. Great choices all around, boys. Thank you very much. Thanks for a great year. Happy holidays. Be safe out there. And to all of our listeners, again, thank you for, for sticking with us, for enjoying our shows each week, for letting us know what you think and, 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 and jumping in there with thoughts and comments on social media. Uh, the feedback's always greatly appreciated. Your listenership is always greatly appreciated. And as always, and we'll end this year the same way I'm sure I started it saying, if you have not already, please hit that subscribe button. Tell your friends and family about our little show here. We, we do our best each week to try to keep you up to date with stories from around the sporting world, whether they're stories you've already been paying attention to and just want some fun, hot takes on or things you yourself are not yet aware of. We try to shine light in the darkest of places and illuminate the brightest of stars. Thank you for a great 2022. On behalf of Braden and Elliot, Happy New Year, and we will see you in a couple of weeks. As I mentioned, please, Boxing Day. Check your favorite podcasting app. You will find a very special episode where we each pick our favorite topic from the year. That is our little Christmas gift to you. And until 2023, that was Hatrick. Hatrick is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It's produced every week by Jordan Dyler Coltman and Braden Dyler Coltman. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. Wait, what did you say about brightest stars? The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.